What's good, U of M? It's your boy, Professor Brandon, here with Professor Tino. What's goody? Now, this is an interesting episode because with Code Red just announced, me and Tino are doing it completely over Zoom. Cases are way too high. Uh, I think there's 3,500 active cases right now. And, well, we saw an explosion of like 3,000, or sorry, not 3,000, 300, 400 a day. Tino, like, what the hell is wrong with Manitoba? Man, it's crazy out here, isn't it? I just, I don't even know. And I'm kind of like worried because I wasn't expecting it to get this bad. I mean, I've, both of us really, we've just been staying in our houses and we've been able to socially distance when we're in the booth, but like this extra step just makes everything safer. Um, I'm worried. I'm worried. I don't know where it goes from here. And we have a lot to talk about. And there's a lot of things that are just like, I don't know, like just in the balance, I guess, you know, like the election, we're going to get into that. Uh, mm. The strike, we're going to get into that. So yeah, <laughs> weird is, time. This is going to be a crazy episode. We won't have many, we won't do most of the segments because we just have so many big topics to cover. And our guest this week is uh, Fraser Pika, former RSAC co-president. He actually brought some segments on for us later in the episode. So that will be kind of our segment part. We'll just get right into the news. Uh, We'll talk about code rather in a second. Yeah, I think we should talk about what's happening right now, right this instant. 8.30 a.m. on Wednesday, November 4th, the election, Biden versus Trump. It's It's been crazy. Tino, you say you haven't been following it that much, so let me enlighten you on what's been going down. Um, polls Fantastic. Closed, yeah, polls closed 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. last night, Tuesday. Um, and in uh, the eastern states and Biden, of course, early lead because, you know, he's never going to lose New York or, uh, you know, all those new what what people say is New England, uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, all those states. Um, mm-hmm. Florida and Texas were surprisingly in Biden's favor early, but then, you know, Trump's never going to lose those. So Texas and Florida stayed Republican. Actually, everything pretty much played out exactly like last year, like uh, states didn't swap hands. But Biden did flip Arizona. And then with all the mail-in voting, with all the uh, early voting, those votes are being uh, counted slower. And those states that have those kind of votes are the swing states, funnily enough. So Wisconsin, Michigan, uh, Ohio went to Trump, the Republicans. Uh, Pennsylvania is leaning hard Trump, but there's a lot of uncounted votes there, a lot of mail-in votes, which usually side with the Democrats. And um, so really at this point in time, right now, Biden is leading 238 to, I believe, 216 for Trump uh, or 213. But we're in the past. I mean, you, the listener right now, probably knows the outcome. We're just sitting here in anticipation to hear what happens. This is it's so close and it's it's taking so long because of all the because of COVID changing up how the election's being done, how the votes are. Yeah. being done. Uh, As it stands right now. Biden's path to victory is holding Nevada, which he currently leads in, holding Wisconsin, which he currently leads in, and the big one. So Michigan, it's been Republican for the past 12 hours uh, since last <laughs> night, and it just flipped. Not even 20 minutes ago, there's now more wow. voting for the Democrats in Michigan. So that's it. That's all he needs. Holds Wisconsin, holds Michigan, holds Nevada. He's got it. At exactly two, he'll have exactly 270. You only need 270 wins. So, um, oh, that's, that's hard. 
yeah it, so if it ends up like that like think about the chaos that's going to ensue with people being like how close it is uh like two electoral votes off from for trump to win um so here's where the drama comes in pennsylvania mm. specifically it is i believe trump is up by you know a couple million or not a million sorry a couple hundred thousand votes yes five hundred thousand votes he's up by but right. a lot of votes in Pennsylvania, they're having the most problems with, you know, early voting and mail-in votes, where a lot of the votes in the uh, city regions, you know, um, you know, high Democrat regions haven't been counted yet. But Trump has gone on to say that he would sue or he'd bring it to the Supreme Court if these votes are counted. He's already said he has won and says that anything that says otherwise, he will challenge in the Supreme Court. Because technically, you know, right? If it ended right now, yes, he is the winner. But there's still a lot of uncounted votes, and that's what he would be taking to the Supreme Court is the what he thinks is unjust, the counting of these votes that were there's a lot of things he's saying. He's saying that they were like mailed in, that they came in because they came in too early, that they don't mm. count because they're they dated early, they don't count. So there's just all this drama. But that doesn't even become a problem if Biden can hold Wisconsin, Michigan. But yes, that is the drama that is currently unfolding. Um, you, the listener, just is sitting there knowing what happened, but me and Tina, we're just here in awaited suspense. That's that's so crazy. I, I can't believe like it's that tight. But I mean, I this whole conversation does beg the question, which way do you think it's going to go? So so here's the fun thing. I, I, uh, I follow the betting sites because who would know better than the people who are taking bets on this election. So yeah. while I while I wa- was watching CNN for three hours last night, just uh, following the numbers, to me, I, I couldn't formulate an opinion. So I would just go to the betting sites and see what what you know Vegas thought who uh, who would win. And mm-hmm. it started out heavy Biden. Actually, so fun story. Back in the first presidential debate, just watching what was just disgusting, really. Like it, 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 was, it was such a bad debate. Uh, I went and I just put a small bet on Trump because I thought, you know, what? I don't think he'll win. I don't want him to win. But in the off chance that he does win and I'm really upset, hey, at least I hedge my sadness by making some. <laughs> so that was when it was even odds through the past. That was back early October throughout the month of October. It's been heavily favored for Biden. The odds Vegas was saying Biden would win. The odds were heavily in his favor. But last night about an hour into the election, it then flipped from Biden to being a heavy favorite to Trump being a heavy favorite. And it stayed oh, there all night where Biden was, a he- or I sorry, Trump was a heavy favorite by the Vegas sites to win. So I went to bed last night, like fully accepting that Trump was going to win. And I woke up in a cold sweat at 5 a.m. because I guess while I went to bed comprehending that and accepting that, I think mm-hmm. my body and my dreams are just like, no, it can't be real. And I Jeez. woke up in a cold sweat and calm down because i'm like okay you know what it's uh, i can accept this you know thank god i'm canadian and i don't have to really deal with <laughs> that much but slowly this morning as votes still get counted the betting sites now favor biden heavily again so it's right. flip-flopping wow and, so yeah go ahead. i guess it's, it's pretty interesting because you said he needs well the, the winner would need 270 to win yep. and biden's got 238 now yeah. I'm assuming, well, like like you've mentioned, like I wasn't following this at all, but I'm assuming all the people that 
did mail-in voting are probably Democrats, just because uh, Trump was pushing for people to vote in person and and, and everything else. So isn't it likely that the mail-in votes that are still to be counted are likely to be Democrat? Or what do you think about that? Yep, you are 100% correct. And that's why we saw, or just 10 minutes ago, Michigan flip from being Republican to Democratic is because they're finally getting in to those votes. Um, Michigan was like at 91% of votes had been counted before this morning. They're now at 94. And those 3%, those late votes, those mail-in votes had all been Democrat. So that's why Biden is now leading in Michigan. The comeback is on. Um, yes, you're, and like that's that what they're saying about Pennsylvania too. They're only at 64% of votes counted. So they are mm-hmm. in a lot. So even though Trump is leading in Pennsylvania by 500,000 votes, there's still over 2 million votes to come in. And right, wow. a lot of them will be Democrat. Now, again, so that's where Trump is arguing. It's like he's saying he's won. He's saying, like, I have such a big lead in Pennsylvania. <laughs> But that's not even the case because Trump could win Pennsylvania and still lose if because of Michigan now flipping in if Wisconsin stays with Biden and Nevada. Yeah, like at this point in time, Tino, mm. uh, Biden only needs three states, Wisconsin, Nevada, Michigan. He doesn't even need Pennsylvania. I mean, it'd be nice to get Pennsylvania because it wouldn't be so close. And, uh, you know, you wouldn't have all these people saying like, well, we count like 270, 268, not my president. It <laughs> doesn't count. So. Uh, Biden supporters would say the same thing if Trump won by 270. They'd be like, no, it's so close. It can't be real. That's insane. What do you think is going to happen afterwards if any of them win? Do you think it's just going to be like normal or do you think it's going to be chaos on the streets? So, so you probably, I don't know if you saw on TikTok, but like, right, all the boarding up of shops because I knew there was going to just be looters and no matter what, it's going to be. Not, I wouldn't say rioting per se, but looting, right? Like people want an excuse to go out and steal. Let's get real here. The same thing happened when Vancouver Canucks lost the Stanley Cup. You know, it was was an excuse to go riot. Like, of course, who wouldn't want to go riot if it was allowed? I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, um, the so I think I actually think that because it's been taking so long to count these votes, it's there'll be less of that looting and rioting because it's like it's been delayed, right? If we had all the election results, at 10 p.m. last night, right? They'd be mm-hmm. out on the streets riding. But because we're still waiting on results, you know, it's Wednesday morning now, people's mm-hmm. nerves are more calmed and they're like, they now, they can now like, you know, comprehend what's happening because more time has passed. Um, I can see though, and I everyone predicted this, everyone knew that we wouldn't have the final results, final, final results till Sunday. People knew mm-hmm. this before, like, before even Tuesday night, before even the votes started to come in. So I think uh, I think that's the only problems you'll have is that, right, Trump is leading. It looks like Trump has won. He's declared he's won. If, Biden, yeah. if it now comes out Sunday, Biden's officially won, you might have a bunch of Trump supporters being like, oh, this is great, like, right, complaining because, well, in a normal year, he would have won or not. In, yeah, that kind of thing. So that'll just be different mm-hmm. from other years is that we literally are going to see you're the winner as four days are actually just kidding. You're the winner. We can now actually have all. <laughs> oh, wow. It's fun what stuff. A it's fun stuff. What a time. I mean, obviously I'm sure most Canadians would have wanted Biden to just win in the landslide, but this just feels so surreal. You know, I'm fist pumping just seeing Michigan flip to democratic. Oh my goodness. So 
basically we're, we're not going to be sure until Sunday. And that is correct. And even then, well, so it gets crazier if Biden doesn't hold Michigan or Wisconsin, because then it will be waiting on Pennsylvania, which will have the slowest voting counting. Right. So hopefully, so technically we could actually know at the end of the day, because um, if Michigan, Nevada and Wisconsin all finish up today, then it doesn't even matter what happens with Pennsylvania, because Pennsylvania would have its final results Sunday. So we could know by today, but I guess, yeah, final final would be Sunday. I'm, I, I, I can't believe this is the year that we're having. <laughs> it's fitting for 2020, isn't it? Quite, quite fitting. Quite I mean, fitting. that I mean, helps us transition into what is happening in Winnipeg with Code Red. Yeah, uh, again, as stated, all the numbers going up. I mean, thankfully, just yesterday, uh, Monday, we only saw 100 new cases. So maybe, yeah, hopefully if the cases go down, we can get back in the studio because we were being safe. I just thought with Code mm-hmm. Red, you know, big explosion, better to be safe. But you know, they could go down and we can kind of get back to normal uh, in the sense of normal COVID restrictions. COVID, COVID. <laughs> yeah, you know what actually like bothers me more than like the number of cases? For me, <clears throat> excuse me, for me, it's it's the it's the case positivity rate. Um, so like the number of cases, so the cases they're taking and the ratio between positive and negative cases. And it's been steadily numbers, like the test of positivity rate. Like if they test the rate of people that come back positive is the problem. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's been kind of playing around eight to 10%. And Mm -hmm. I think that's the most important number for me, because if that goes up and if they're testing more people and they're getting more positives back, then that's the problem because it could be, it could be like 80 cases. It could be 400 cases, but like, the test positivity i think it's like the biggest thing so yeah um to me to me it's funny it's actually yeah the active cases specifically for me i just think like Mm. or i guess like what percentage of winnipeg is infected right now i think like to me that's a big one um like right if we see i I actually can't remember the number for for winnipeg i just know 3500 might be winnipeg it might be manitoba but if you just take the population of manitoba then and you see like well how many people are are infected right now like that's worrisome to go outside because you know whatever that number is that's the chance the person next to you it has it so that's the that's the crazy thing for me i mean we umsu took precautions that we shut down our service center and gpas like right away right away on friday when we heard that heard that uh they were gonna go code red on the monday yeah Uh, but uh just talking with thomas the gm i i don't know if you know this tino but we yeah, once if if cases go back to, you know, we're only seeing like 70, 80 a day and the 3,500 number goes back down to around 1,000, then uh, we'll have the service center. The service center open for sure because that's a great of great value to UMSU members and just our operation in general. But GPAs might be a bit longer before we open that up. Ah, uh, man, it's, it's, at least we got to open it up for a little bit there. Yeah, so I mean, something to be positive about. 30 coffees a day. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, well. so the, the profs that were still on campus were happy. Speaking of profs. Yeah, let's see. Oh, you're right. The strike. I mean, <laughs> it's been a lot has happened since we last came on the podcast and talked about the strike. Um, I think last time we were just talking about the fact that they were going to vote to vote to have a strike. So, yeah. so they voted. Yes, we're going to have a vote to strike. 
Then they went and did have that vote to strike and voted 80% in favor. So they haven't gone on strike yet, but now they have the ability to. Um, also, we had we had uh, the emergency motion or the emergency UMSU meeting where we had a motion to support binding arbitration, which passed unanimously in the UMSU board. So, you know, UMSU is now supporting binding arbitration because, well, that helps the students the best. That avoids a strike. I think that's like that's the people that are most at risk right now are the students. And anything we can do to prevent a strike is what we want. One um, yeah. of you know, like what's been going on with the strike? I mean, I think you pretty much got it. We'd, it's kind of a waiting game at this point, isn't it? We're just waiting to see if the university is actually going to accept, well, either accept binding arbitration and, and proceed mm-hmm. that way, or secondly, reopen the bargaining table. And I know that they don't really report on that kind of thing, so they might have and they might be doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, going back to the bargaining table, reopening conversations, because yeah, I think Amphorus kind of put their foot down and they've said, look, we'll strike. And then they went through the process and I think they'll do it. I think though, I, I don't think they're just bluffing. I think they'll straight up strike considering how heavily positive that vote was in their favor, at least 80%, that's that's massive. And yeah. the vote turnout was 86%. So yeah, they want this. They want to do this. They're not messing around. Yeah. I mean, right? Well, like they've said, yeah, they, they want binding arbitration. They're striking. Like if the university isn't going to give them anything, they're going to strike. And so I, I'm, I'm actually going to predict that we, they don't go on strike because the U of M comes to the table. I don't think the U of M will give them binding arbitration, but I think they'll at least come to the table, uh, which could just delay this, honestly. I, I wish they would just go with binding arbitration because that just ends the possibility of a strike. But at least coming to the table doesn't you know, threaten the strike right this instance. Immediately. Yeah. I'm also just kind of worried too, because if if they were to just start their strike, for example, then it would it would it would start like on the ninth, right? Because profs usually do they work reading week or do they not? So they they do work reading week. So I which actually makes it it's funny that this is actually if there was a time to strike in the fall, it's this mm-hmm. time. Students are about to go on reading week. Uh so so, right, it would start on the 9th if they were to strike right now. So I guess they're going, they're probably going to wait till the Friday, the 6th um, to hear from the university. If they hear nothing, if they hear they're not coming to the table, they're not doing binding arbitration, then absolutely, on the 9th, they are striking. And then if they strike, at least it will start during reading week and it won't be too close to finals because that's, like you said, the worst, for me, the worst thing that could happen is if they start conversations again, they start bargaining, whatever, whatever, and then it falls apart at the end of the month and then all of a sudden it's finals and profs are striking. So, yeah, well, so, so let's give some information about the strike now. Um, it's been all over our Instagram. You know, you, we did the press release, Tino, you've been working very hard on that, on the Instagram, just answering DMS. Uh, every exec's been getting DMS. Uh, you've been putting out information for everyone. So mm-hmm. let's, let's go into that. Um, you know, what, what has Amsu been putting out? I know we had the letter from Jolene. Uh, you made the hashtag yesterday. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, what's uh, yeah. What been putting out for students? What information and what can, they, what can they find out from our pages? Well, first of all, the hashtag is hashtag save the semester. And it's too bad that students find themselves in the crosshairs uh, of basically a fight between mommy and daddy in this case the university and the professors 
And, you know, this, the same thing happened in 2016 yeah. where the profs wanted something. And, you know, in my opinion, of course, uh, I think it was a reasonable ask. And I, I kind of support what Amfa is doing. This is all my opinion because, you know, like if you look at the facts and, you know, we'll get into the facts right now. Um, what happened in 2016 was that the university offered them I believe it was 1%, 1%, and then 2%, or 1% three times and then 2%, but that never happened because of legislation the provincial government put forward that was recently ruled unconstitutional. It was ruled illegal. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the legislation was called the Provincial Services Sustainability Act, basically fancy term for we're not going to increase wages for two years. They freeze wages in the public sector, yeah. Yeah, and then we're going to increase them the last two years. But then that increase never happened because the legislation was uh, ruled unconstitutional by Manitoba's Supreme Court. So I think AMFA should put their foot down because if they're the first domino to fall, if they're the first union to be taken advantage of, then every every other union is next, honestly. Mm -hmm. And AMFA is a very strong union. And it's important that they hold their ground because if they topple, all the other unions in Manitoba are going to topple right. too, including ours. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mean, you, what yeah. is it? Build 28 or build 33? Yeah. They keep switching their name. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's about showing solidarity for other unions, right? Like us as a union, how can we not support another union? uh you know because what happened what happens when we can't we're about to get screwed over and we go on front and say like hey can you support us and like you can support us like you know unions mm-hmm. are supposed to support unions you know fight for better working conditions you know fight against the man it's true um but also like sticking back to the info related to the strike i mean a lot of students have been asking what will the strike mean for me what can i expect basically just I, well, I think you're in a better position to answer that question, Brendan. Like yeah. in 2016, what did the strike mean for you and what can students mm-hmm. expect? I was going to touch on that. Yeah. Uh, first, I wanted to say it's funny that you brought up the analogy of mommy and daddy. <laughs> Just in the shower this morning, think about it. the analogy I thought of is it's your mommy saying, if you're good, you can have candy. Then so you act, you know, pretty good, you know, not of the ordinary. And when you go to get the candy, daddy says no. Daddy being the provincial government, mommy being the university. So daddy says no. The kid doesn't get the candy. So now, so now the, the kid's upset that he's not getting the candy, but he's saying, okay, can I at least get something? Maybe I don't get candy, but can I at least get something? And, mm. and mommy and daddy are now saying, no, you can't get anything. So they want to go to grandma to resolve the matter and see if they can get anything, anything at all. Yep. Grandma being the third arbitrator. Anyways, um, yeah, back in 2016, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I loved it. Uh, just because it just because it gave me a lightened workload. I had four classes and two of them went. The pops were on strike. Two of them, the pops didn't go on strike. So I still had mm-hmm. my regular classes with the profs that didn't go on strike. Everything went fine there, did my exams uh, in, the, in the December exam period. But the classes that went on strike, they went on strike for four weeks. I, I wanted, and reading week was included in, one, included in one of those weeks. So it was really only three weeks of missing school. All mm. that happened is during the exam period in December, 
instead of doing the exams for those classes, we just continued classes, regular classes. We then had winter break and came back and I did, I think for sure one week, it might've been two weeks of schoolwork. And then we had our exams. It was a short one week exam period in January. And then mm. we started the winter semester and we only went a week longer in April. We actually didn't even get into May. So in the end, the winter semester wasn't even that affected. We still had a reading week. Uh, we still, I believe the exam periods were just slightly shorter and a week later. And you know what, yeah. even, even this year anyways, the winter semester is starting later because we're having the first two weeks of January being those lab, lab days, some of the class, some of us um, or some of the University of Manitoba's classes that have labs are going to be happening during that time because back in the summer, they assumed that COVID would be gone by then and they'd be able to do labs then. COVID's only gotten worse, which is the irony of things. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, <clears throat> definitely, I've heard from a couple, it's, it's a mixed bag, isn't it? Um, especially from the poor results that we got to, like some students think oh. poll is good for, uh, sorry, not a poll, a strike is good for students, uh, other students aren't for it. I think the closest one was 36% of students said we should stand with AMFA, and then 36% said we shouldn't, so... Yeah. They, like neck and neck, literally. Thirty-six was for Amsu's or uh, um Amfa's actions. Thirty-six against, and then the rest were undecided. Which do the math? Yeah. That's twenty. What's twenty-eight? 28? Yeah. Good quick math. And um, um, yeah, I guess so, I would say I would say this is a worse time to have a strike than twenty sixteen, though, because of mm -hmm. COVID. Right? You know, oh, I feel yeah. like having that time off in twenty sixteen. I know actually some people they they didn't have any of the classes strike. So they were done in December. And because January, it was gonna, the winter semester was gonna start later. They went on a month long vacation. Obviously now with COVID, no one can travel that much. Um, and just while we're at home anyway, so a, a school stoppage wouldn't be like a break from school because we're already at home. So it would just be frustrating because people have nothing to do. What, you're gonna give them more nothing to do? School is probably the one thing keeping people sane. It's like, okay, at least I have something going on in my life. Yeah, yeah. And I, I guess, just, yeah. I don't I, envy I, students. What's that? I don't envy students. Yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> I would say that, so back in 2016, I was kind of upset that Amsu didn't take a stance uh, mm. at all. I mean, at the time, you know, not knowing the information, I was against strike uh, against prof striking. Looking back on it now, if I knew the more information, I probably would have been with them. But either way, I'm soon not taking a stance at all. Kind of hurts. It uh, it actually delayed it right. It delayed the process. It made the strike go longer because student basically that means students weren't supporting either side, so they were just stuck at a crossroads. The admin and the profs because they didn't have this bargaining chips of students. I hate the fact that students are a bargaining chip, but at the end of the day, they are. So yeah. but students having a stance, it actually hurries up the strike. And like you said, you said you were kind of with UMFA's actions. And personally, I am too right now. I, I see it as, you know, it's pretty unfair that they didn't get their money that was promised to them really over these past four years. And the university still has that money. It's, they, they, they sat on it. So it is there to be given, uh, but you know, university just doesn't want to give it up which is you know do. That's, their, yeah. that's their choice but you know their, their choice has consequences in the form of prof striking and that's not fair to students exactly and for me too another sticking point is uh the university's revenue is up 
uh, right. enrollment is up. Enrollment was up in the summer. Tuition went up. I'll be to to cover the provincial cuts that were coming. That like that must be stated. But I mean, revenue is up, so give them more money. Make make their salaries competitive. This is only I know uh, students are worried about tuition and tuition going up because of this. But the truth is, it's going to be a better quality of education, right. and profs de- deserve. Uh, fairer compensation i'm sure they get fair compensation now but you know a wage freeze over five years is not really um they, it's they not really like they're, it, they're making less than they did five years ago i think it's the point and that they at the very least they should your salary should beat inflation i think that's just a given in the world mm. uh, that's just a fair thing to have period um yeah so uh it, well the other thing is yeah well they're in 14th out of 15th in terms of salary of all the U15 schools, you know, and Manitoba, well, yeah, we're not the best U15 school. We're definitely not at the bottom of the barrel. So why are our profs paid as such? Definitely. And being the biggest school in Manitoba too, we should, we should do better. I think, I mean, I think big schools in provinces should pay their profs better, but right. Yeah. I won't blame. I won't blame the university for raising tuition That is a provincial cut and they that forced the university's hand to but they like you said enrollment's up the profit is up pay your profs it's it's the most logical thing to do i don't know what else you could sit on and be like and want to spend money on especially during covid where no one's on campus what would you spend money on on campus to do this is the best the last last thing i'll say is i know a lot of people are saying I support UMFA. They deserve more money, but this is the worst time to strike. This we're during a pandemic. Listen, they didn't four years ago when this deal was made. Like the deal would have been up during this time, anyways. At this mm. time, anyways, they didn't make that deal knowing that pandemic was coming in 2020. They had no way to see this coming, and they have no idea when it's going to end. How how could you just wait around and be like, okay, we'll strike a, after the pandemic? You know, you don't know how long it could go. It could go two years, and you're just not getting paid paid fairly those two years. Um, the other thing is, it was that bill was voted unconstitutional back in June, and mm-hmm. they actually have they only have a year from when they was from when that decision was made to go after what they are owed before it. Well, legally, it's they can't do that anymore. So that's the other thing they wanted to do it in August actually, but the university delayed things uh, to now we're at a breaking point in November. <sighs> Tough times. Tough yeah, times. let's move on to something more positive. You down for that? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Coke or Pepsi? Honestly, I don't have an opinion. I'm not going to lie. You like rum and Cokes? I don't mind a rum and Coke. What's your favorite, like, uh, mixed drink there? Like, alcoholic drink? Honestly, it would have to be Fireball Coke. Fireball Coke. So, right. Okay. When you're mixing Fireball and someone's like, hey, I got Pepsi and I got Coke, which one are you taking? <laughs> okay. That's a fair question. Probably Coke. I, don't, I haven't tried it with Pepsi and I know it's good with Coke. So, gotcha. Gotcha. Probably I've, Coke then. I've, my whole life, I've loved Coke. But when I started working at uh, Costco in the food court, they had Pepsi products and I just fell mm. in love with Pepsi there, being forced to drink it. Really? I am a full Pepsi person and I, I'll admit though, I mean like every alcoholic drink that involves that sort of cola, you should probably be mixing Coke, but I still find it tastier with Pepsi. But I do acknowledge mm. the fact that 
Pepsi with rum is probably not the best. I, I just like it. Overall, though, I will say just on its own, I think Pepsi's better. I don't know what Coke people are seeing with just drinking normal pop. I'm actually going to try, like, next time I go for a grocery run, I'm going to get both of them and then taste test them. Taste test them, yeah. That's that's good, yeah. Um, again, I'll say just without alcohol, yeah, go Coke, but overall Pepsi. Um, Tino, what, what do you use for music? Do you have a music app on your phone? Spotify all the way. Yes, sir. I agree. I mean, I hope that the people listening to this podcast are on Spotify. But if you're on iTunes, hey, no, no big deal. Or anyone listening to this podcast is our friend. <laughs> um, so I want to ask you, you probably have a bunch of music and playlists downloaded on your Spotify, correct? Right. Yeah, yeah. So if Spotify raised their prices, well, actually, let me ask you, what are you paying per month right now for Spotify? Oh, so I actually, so I have a family plan with like, I have a family plan with like five, six other people. So I pay like $2 or something. That's great. Yeah. I pay $3.75 because I got the family plan split by four. Nice. So yeah, you're paying $2. If they were to make the family plan $50 a month, just ridiculous amount. You're paying $10 a month, even on the family plan. Would you stay with them? Mm. Hmm. What makes me ask this is I have 3,000 songs downloaded to my phone, and I just know that switching music apps would be such a time-consuming hassle that it wouldn't even be worth it. I think it would take days for me to transfer all my music to, like, you know, Apple Music or something. All my playlists, too. Like, not even just the download songs, just recreating all the playlists on a different app. I'd probably be end up spending the extra six six dollars a month just to avoid that. So I want to get you sick pain. Um, I'm looking at my Spotify now, and I do have quite a few things on here, but ah, but I, man, making making playlists takes such a long time. I see what you mean. Yeah, it's just um, I don't know. Probably not though, because hmm. Ah, no, I think I'd do it too. I think I'd do it too. You've got me there. You pay more. Uh, just going through my playlists that mm-hmm. I've made. Uh, yeah, I'd do it too. I think it's it's really not that much to be fair. It's like an extra like six bucks or something. So yeah, it would be yeah extra. Yeah, let's say it was ten dollars a month. You staying around? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I might, I might do it. I think my critical point is like $17, $18. If it's more than that a month, like I'm out, I, I would just suck it up and move to Apple Music. Because I think Apple Music is around, I don't even know, I'm going to guess $5 a month on a student plan. So so I, I would I would love to save the $10 a month. Can you get Apple Music on like Android? Oh, you can. There you go. What? That's pretty weird, actually. That's funny, though. Well, it's probably because they recognize that people don't use Apple Music. So they're just trying to. I'm going to switch to Jay Z's music app title. Oh, yeah. Is it any good? I'd love to meet someone that actually uses title. Anyway, how was your Halloween? Did you do anything? No, no. It came and it went, and it was like every other year since that first year I did a costume. Um, It just comes and goes. What's that? No salt and pepper? 
no salt and pepper this time around, my friend. Damn. So you None. just did nothing. You even acknowledge it's Halloween. It's just another just, Saturday night for you. Nope, it's just another Saturday night. Like it was like <laughs> it was so funny. It's it's always so funny for me because like I don't really pay attention too much to what's happening in the external world. Uh, so it's like I went on my Instagram and I was like kind of scrolling through and I was like, oh, okay, that's what's going on. All right, that's fun. That's cute. But <laughs> yeah, what did you do? You you didn't see my costume on Instagram? No, I did. I obviously did, but like I, I wanted you to say it for the listener. Fair enough, fair enough. The uh, yeah, I dressed up as George Michael. Uh, people actually really liked it. I was surprising. I thought I'm like, oh, I feel like this is kind of lazy, but people were saying it was iconic. They loved it. I got so many DMs about it, which I'm happy about. Um, it was good. It was yeah, really it good. Kind of came together because I uh, like just a year ago, I found this old leather jacket. I'm like, yo, this is a this is a mood. I'm keeping this. We were gonna throw it out. <laughs> kept it i uh i then got george michael earrings as a gag gift for uh my birthday just because right my ears are pierced and people thought it'd be funny if i like wore those i look ridiculous in them normally and then uh i recently bought like aviators like for the summer and that just like happened to look like the ones from the faith music video and then i'm just like screw it i'm just gonna like Four days before Halloween, I didn't know where I was going to go. I was like, what if I just like grew up my beard and just wear all those things I already have? And then it looked exactly like George Michael. It did. It did. Especially when you did the album cover thing. That was, you nailed it. You nailed it. Appreciate it. Yeah. So I just sat around and I uh, ended up watching the new Borat movie. Um, Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. I love the first one. Probably, I think we've talked about it on this show. On this, uh, We have. Yeah. It's still fine. So, of course, watch the sequel. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest, not that good. Um, there's like like two funny parts in the beginning, but overall, they just tried to make it too much of a story. It was too political in that they really just want to kind of show all the bad sides of the Republican Party, and you know, which is which is fine. You know, I agree. Like this, it was it was good to expose that. But like, you know, I'm trying to watch a fun movie. I'm not trying to (laughs) on my Halloween night. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, uh, Borat, they, they had the people didn't know they were in a movie, so they were just like it was their actual reactions of just like what the hell is going on, which was so funny. But right, really? he's that you can't replicate that. So at no point did I ever think that the people in the movie were unsuspecting, besides Rudy Giuliani, the uh Trump's lawyer, besides him, like it looked like everyone was in on the the jokes and you know it wasn't just regular people that were just like what the hell is going on they've been pushing that to me so hard like they've been pushing borrowed ads on my phone so hard i don't know why which is just like maybe i'm i'm just in the demographic of people that uh, <laughs> that they want to watch yeah you're in that demographic of things i wouldn't be surprised if the biden campaign actually paid to have the borat movie advertised because it's it's just like so anti-republican that that's why it's just like it's not even you're in the demographic it's probably being advertised to everyone right before election season you know and they just want people to watch the movie because well it helps sasha barrett conan he's probably advertising it too but then it also yeah. helps the biden campaign it probably does it's just it's so have you watched house of cards you know what i haven't is it good do you recommend it ah uh... Okay, so it depends on, I I really like it. I, I really like it still. Like, it's kind of, 
Uh, I mean, it's a bit taboo to say that considering what um, what what's his name did, but I don't know. I don't think it takes away from what was a good show. Oh, um, yeah, sure. But yeah, it's, it's it's very it kind of upplays the the shadiness in politics, and it's it's fascinating. I I really liked it. Right. So in House of Cards. I'm I again I don't know anything about it, but I'm assuming they show mm. yeah like the law behind the scenes of politics, right? Absolutely. Do yeah. That I mean, there's probably some truth to it, but do how how much do you think they over exaggerate, or do you think most of it is true? So I mean, I think at first it was like pretty pretty normal, pretty standard what I what I would imagine politics would be. It progressively gets like ridiculous as, as time goes on uh it's a bit of a spoiler but like it's not really that much of a spoiler because what it starts off with congressman frank underwood and like towards the end of the show his wife is well he's the president and his wife is the vice president and that's just completely ridiculous like yeah. that would never fly so yeah it, it progressively gets <laughs> ridiculous i see uh they had to oh they had to make the character, you know, a superhero at the end. And also, I find that with lots of shows, just near the end of the show, they run out of ideas. So they have to make up more preposterous things to keep it interesting. Yeah, it, it got really preposterous. You're right. Um, I noticed that with every show, just like by season five, they ran out of ideas. So they got introduced crazy storylines. True. Very um, true. Let me ask you, Tino. Okay, well, like you ran an arms to elections, so you know that there's like there is some shadiness in elections. True. <laughs> we'll leave it at that for now. But um, I wanted to ask you, how many first dates have you been on? How many first dates have I been on? Oh man, uh, not a lot, honestly. Uh, uh, that one, four. I can count four right now. Nice. And did yeah. they all go pretty well in terms of so I'm thinking I'm thinking of like two that were like real that went quite well. Uh the other two not so much. Because with hindsight, like in the moment it's always very exciting, right? But like with hindsight, no, those those didn't go those <laughs> those didn't go good. I um, want tell you about a first date i went on in our private yeah. segment and hope and maybe it'll trigger something for you to like tell maybe a funny story from one of the dates um i went to the forks uh and parked in the big parkade uh, all the way up at the top floor you know because it's a nice view up there and we were going down the stairs and to try and act cool i slid down the railing in beige <laughs> nailed it went down smoothly but she's like what the heck your ass is black there was so much dirt on the pole that just big cylindrical streak right across my ass the rest of the date that's oh no (laughs) i just like i remember going to the bathroom and trying to wet it and get rid of it and i'm like great now it just looks like i peed my pants oh god damn so I mean, we ended up dating in the end. So it <laughs> hindsight, I guess everything worked out. But that was just so embarrassing at the time. Oh, God. Okay. Here's a, I have a red flag question for you. Ooh, okay. Let's do it. So you're on a first date and 
he's a nice guy. He's a nice enough guy. You're you you like guys in this in, in this instance. Yeah, okay, I'll go so, with it. Let's do it. It's, it's a nice enough guy, and you go to the forks and you and you park on the fourth floor because it's a beautiful view. As you're walking Shut down up. the stairs, the guy, the guy slides down one of the poles, and his ass is just black for the rest of the date. I would <laughs> is say that, that is, is that a, a red flag for you? <laughs> I would, you know, honestly, it's just be like, yo, this guy's a spaz. Like, why is he trying to show off by sliding? Down the <laughs> look, uh, that. I would actually kind of, you know, I would laugh at it in a sense, just be like, wow, look at this guy. My initial thought would be like, why even slide down the pole? Like, why can't you just like act cool? Uh, but then maybe, maybe I'd be like, you know what? He's showing his true colors. He, he's a quirky guy. He's a fun guy. I would roll with it. I would love it. That's, I, <laughs> I mean, that's why I ended up happening. That's why her reaction was too, probably. And that's why we ended up dating. Anyways, what about you, Tino? Let, let's hear about your first date so I can make fun of you. Okay, so the first time, like when I was texting Alicia and... I think we we wanted to go to a party um and this was like my first one of my first parties off campus like it was a house party um so yeah so <laughs> damn we got really drunk that night we we were texting and then she asked me to come up to her room um wait, wait, you were then, at the same party or you were at a party and she was at home oh no we were going to the same party oh like, i asked her to come to the party with me um so you're yeah, drunk so gaming we we got drunk at the pregame. It was so it was so messy, dude. Um, so yeah, we we started like she invited me up to her room and we were like just putting her makeup on, and we started drinking this vodka that she had, mm-hmm. and you know we were just drinking the vodka, whatever, not a big deal. We we're like sipping on it, and the next thing I knew, we we're like a couple shots in, and I was starting to feel it, and this was still at like seven seven thirty. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she finishes putting her makeup on and she's done and then because we we're gonna go with ronnie and we we're gonna go with somebody else i think it was yeah. merit at the time i don't know if you know who merit is i've probably seen him but uh don't know him right off the yeah. bat so we go back to ronnie's room because ronnie was getting ready as well and we're in ronnie's room and he's getting ready and at this point we're starting to fill the source we're 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 in it now uh, we start drinking this rum that Ronnie had in his room. Uh, he had this Captain Morgan that he'd bought. He'd bought it in the, in the fall term when he'd first gotten here, but he'd never really drunk it. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> shame, poor Ronnie. He only really started drinking when I came. Um, he was a good boy before you. He was. Anyway, so we, we're drinking this rum. We get even more sauced. And then we walk over to St. John's. This was in the winter too, dude. Uh, so we walked over to St. John's and then we took a cab to the party, house party, like somebody's house. Geez. And then it was just a free for all at that party. And it was a lot of res people too. So it was just like a very exciting atmosphere. And I was so drunk. I was so like just out of it. And I remember this was like the first time I was hanging out with her too. Yeah. So we're seated on the couch. How long after that did you guys start dating? <sighs> Not very long. I mean, after that, we kind of just, we'd hang out more and more, but like informally, you know, like n- no labels or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, and eventually it was summer and 
okay. yeah, it was summer and, you know, things happen in the summer. It's a bit warm out. Everybody's a bit excited by the heat. And yeah, you get caught up in it and <laughs> we're here now. Yeah. The um. So who asked who the date? So she was like, she was hinting at it. Like she was okay. hinting at it for like the longest time. But I was always like, mm, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, because I don't want to cuff myself down. Right. Like it was my first summer. It was warm. There's plenty of options on campus. And I eventually I was just like, you know what? I, I like this. I like this. I like this enough that I want to continue having this. Good stuff. You know, if like I edit out like the bad words, could you tell that story? What if it went all the way up to we went to the party and then that it just ended there. Like I edited it. So we went to the party and that was our first date. Mm. Mm. Actually, why not? All right. So you, the listener, might be a bit confused on what you just heard. It might have sounded edited and that's because it is. Uh, Tino went on to answer my question but it was a little too inappropriate for the podcast. Uh, <laughs> Tino you dirty dog but another <laughs> thank you for the question. Um, we'll move on to having our guest Fraser Peeker on. Uh, so we'll catch you guys right after this. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life but that was awesome. All right, and we're back here with our guest, Fraser Pika, former RSAT co-president and now current RA in Pemina Hall, correct? Indeed. It's good to see you guys. Yeah, well, we can see you because we're doing it over Zoom, but the <laughs> listener, you're just hearing us. Uh, we'll get right into the questions, and then uh, at the end there, we'll have, we'll have the segments that you brought for us. Um, the first question I have is, you know, the fact that many students don't even know that there are residence councils. Can you kind of go over like the structure of them or, you know, um, there's co-presidents with uh, RSAC and uh, how, how is that kind of determined? Like what are the elections like for that and how, how does the council form for RSAC? Yeah, well, I'm sure Tino can uh, butt in here at some point about EMSA uh, um, on his end because he should know something about that. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I was, uh, like you said, I was the president of uh, RSAC, or I was a co-president of someone else named Masha Beck. Um, so basically, there's a president for each building, Pemina Hall and uh, Speechley, and you there will usually be a, like a, a sort of a election for each of those positions, and then there's a couple uh, also other positions that you have to be elected into, and then the rest of the council, the number kind of jumps around, but it's about 10 people. Uh, five of them will be hired into a position. Um, I'm not sure what AMSA and UCRSA looks like, but uh, there are three councils for residences on campus. And uh, yeah. And uh, what kind of things does RSAC do in terms of events or just, you know, whatever support you give to the students in residence? Well, we do what the RAs don't do. So we, we sort of bring, bring together like uh, the pre-games for the Bison's events and then a, a couple of socials throughout the year. Um, everybody in the council has to throw a couple events um, for, their, for their term. And so we just try and keep the community kind of active uh, and open to anybody who's looking to sort of connect with uh, everybody on campus and sort of to make some connections. Um, it's kind of a bummer because there's absolutely none of that this year. 
Um, so the best I can do is just sort of let you know what it looked like pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And what was your favorite event to run uh, when you were on council? My, oh, wow. It wasn't too many I didn't like, honestly, but uh, we, we did have a tri-council uh, Halloween uh, um, social at, at earlier last year. And it was like, it was, I don't know, I really enjoyed working with, with uh, the presidents of all the councils and coming together and to do something bigger and better. Um, so I certainly enjoyed that one. I had a lot of uh, good memories from that night. Nice. <laughs> I think I, I like the way that you put it, Fraser, that uh, councils do what RAs don't do. Uh, <laughs> I think that's a very gentle way to put it. And I think you, you're in a unique position to speak to uh, the experience of being both an RA and on council. And I'm sure we're going to get to that. But what I'm kind of curious about and <laughs> what the listeners probably curious about too is, uh, can you tell us your involvement and your journey to RSAC co-president? Yeah. So it was last year. So it was my third year on campus and I had never been on RSAC before or any sort of student council. And I, I was just always so involved though, but I never considered it because I was sort of like, you know, I was just hanging loose, having a having a good first couple of years on my on campus. And then uh, Masha was running to be the co-president, and she essentially was like, you know, we should really work together for this. And at sort of last minute was like, you should you should just see what you can do about it and see if you can. Uh, sort of squeeze your way on to being a co-president for um, uh, Pembina Hall because she wanted the bigger room in Speechly, you know, whatever. So, but then I thought about it and I said, you know, maybe maybe I do not so bad in that position. I mean, I do know quite a bit about it considering all my friends were a council member in my second year. So I said, hey, you know what? Let's see where it takes me and, and I don't regret it at all. So, so. Just for a little clarification, um, right, there's co-presence. One, so one has to be in Speechley and one has to be in Pemina Hall there? Yeah, so I was on seventh floor. Um, I think pretty much all of the past Pemina Hall presidents were seventh floor, um, which is actually the floor I'm a RA on now. So, nice. and, then, and then Masha, the bigger uh Co-president room is on the second floor of Speechley. So yeah, there has to be one for each building. And then all the other uh, members of RSAC are sort of split up on the floors between the two buildings. Nice, nice. Yeah. Tino, you got this next question. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm actually so curious about like, so as you probably already know, I, I, at least I hope you would know <laughs> that I lived in residence uh, for the longest time before I moved off campus. Uh, I'm actually curious, what is it like with uh, COVID right now? Yeah, it's, it's quite daft. I mean, it's pretty, like, it's definitely nothing like you'd recognize in past years. I mean, nobody, I don't even, I hate to say it, but I don't even really know too many people on my floor by name. And I'm an RA. Like it's just you don't see anybody's faces, um, at least in person. And you, like, I had my first orientation meetings with everyone on my floor, but since then, it's like maybe you'll see them going to get cap food or whatever. 
but there's really not that opportunity to make interactions. Unfortunately, it's sort of frowned upon these days. I mean, mm. with obvious reason, but it's it's just like there is there is not that energy from the first three years. I mean, it, it's it's very very just uh, school focused now. I mean, there's nothing else to do. <laughs> Right. Normal year. What uh, what would RAs usually be like? I guess just interacting with everyone on the floor all the time. I would assume. Yeah, making sure everybody's safe, but also making sure that everybody is uh, having whatever type of fun they're hoping to have, and sort of make sure that people are involved. I mean, that is something that goes hand in hand with any council and an RA is that you're trying to make sure that people are are meeting the resources that they need if it's if it's for, you know, to make sure that they're having fun, to make sure that they're making interactions, make sure that they're making friends. Um, we just sort of try and provide that, uh, that option for anybody okay. who wants it. I might put you on the spot here, but uh, if you knew COVID was coming, would you have still applied to an RA? <laughs> oh man, what have I? <sighs> That's hard because I mean, I'm not even done my first term. I mean, it's not winter yet. I mean, it's not like I call winter sort of the, it's sort of like a hibernation of a student. You know, you sort of lock down, you stay in a room because going outside is, is lethal. So, um, but as of now, I don't regret it. No, I mean, it's, it, I still do get to be some sort of an RA. I still do get to, to make sure that people are, are getting the resources they need and I still do get that connection that is very scarce these days and so I think if I wasn't an RA I'd just be sort of sitting in a in a room somewhere whether it was BC or it was Manitoba but I mean at least I'm part of something as, as an RA. Yeah awesome. Tino did you have any other questions? Uh, I just wanted to comment on like <clears throat> how like dreary it must be like I'm residence is usually just like busting and you know lively there's usually something going on people are selling tickets outside the calf you know that kind of feel to it and just oh man like without that first week the first week is always the most exciting too everybody's making friends and and all that and it's just yeah, yeah. I hadn't thought about that too much just because I haven't been in the environment but yeah that's too bad yeah it, it is it's staffed but I mean still trying to make the most of it um but it's definitely, it's definitely hard when, you know, the only time you really leave your room is to go to the cafeteria. Yeah. But it's, it definitely is daft, but I, I just can't rec recommend enough to just make the most of it and still try and do your best to have fun and, and get your mind off school 24 seven. You guys well, are doing online events too, right? Yeah, yeah we are. Uh, at least the RAs are, like I said, there's no councils up and running, but the RAs, we still do host uh, online events, um, but it's, it's not having the best turnout, unfortunately, just because it's sort of like our options are limited to sort of like Netflix movie party and like uh, whatever Kahoot, you know, it's just not, not what people are used to. Um, so that's unfortunate. I mean, we do have like res wide events that have better turnouts. And those seem better. Like we had a, uh, we had like a scavenger hunt where everyone on the floor, we like got to hide like Halloween 
ghosts and stuff on the floor and people got to go around and, and find those during prizes. And that was better. I mean, that was something, at least there was a little bit of involvement there, but yeah. <laughs> well, on that grim note, we'll move into something a bit more fun with the segments that we usually have in this podcast. And because you're a natural fan of the show, I thought I'd give you the opportunity to come, you know, ask us some would you rathers or red flags and well, whatever else you bought. I'm excited. Brendan usually takes it easy on me. So. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, I did bring a couple. Ooh. I brought one for each of you. And uh, I'm not going to lie, Brendan, um, I had a little bit of help on this. Oh, I, I am uh, certain I, somebody. I, I, <laughs> <on this. laughs> so, Brendan, would you rather um, the Georgia Bulldogs never play again? I don't know who that is. Oh, but let's nice. say the Georgia Bulldogs never play again. Oof. Or if you'd rather eat cottage cheese oh, for God. six whole months. Uh, can I only eat cottage cheese for six whole months? <laughs> Let's say everything you eat has to have cottage cheese on it. If you want to have a bowl of ice cream, it's got cottage cheese on it. You want uh, a sandwich, cottage cheese sandwich. I think the problem <laughs> is, I, I don't think I've, I think I've had cottage cheese once in my life and I probably threw it up. So that is just awful. I mean, like, even if you said, would you rather have the Georgia Bulldogs never play again or have to eat cottage cheese five times. I'd rather just not even eat the cottage cheese five times. So uh, <laughs> unfortunately I got to never see my favorite team play again uh, and uh, not have to eat that cottage cheese. But damn, Don't blame you. Man. it's depressing. I hate cottage cheese. Yeah. <laughs> who, who, who in their right mind likes cottage my cheese? My mom does. My uh, mom eats cottage cheese. She takes it out of the fridge and she eats it with a spoon. Just eats cottage cheese. I think that's supposed to be normal. But it, what, that's that's just so gross to me. In your in your, in your opinion, Fraser, would eating mayo by the spoonful be more disgusting or less disgusting than eating, eating cottage cheese by the spoonful? Mayo. Yeah, I've seen that uh, too. Do you I don't, do? I don't know. The, the don't thing about I, mayo is that nobody does that. Nobody eats mayo with a spoon. Oh. You probably have a. Uh, foot, uh, like a artery clog or something. I, also, <laughs> I, there's a person at a sports game eating it by by the spoonful. I will. <laughs> I I would do cottage cheese because at least that's something that some people do normally, just just to fit in, you know. I rather, I rather do <laughs> But yeah, I I see your point. There's probably some healthy healthy reasoning to why they're eating it by the spoonful. I just rather have you know in the, by the spoonful. Fair enough. All right, Tino. I got a question for you. All right. And it, it, it is personal. Ooh. Oh. I, I will ju- I'll judge your answer. Okay. No pressure. That being though. said, Tino, would you rather be any position you'd like, any position you'd like, but you to be on RSAC for a year or to be on UCRSA for a year? Any position you'd like. It's basically asking which is worse, being on RSAC <laughs> Being on Gosh. maybe i don't know maybe maybe uh maybe your friends from one of the two buildings or yeah at least you did you know what? to be honest i i'd rather be on ucrsa i don't know i just i can't stand rsac wow, like, wow. what position that you know ucrsa man i'd do anything on ucrsa those guys are crazy like <laughs> 
I've been I've been to UCRSA one time and I've made it out. I made it out and I was like, okay, that's enough. Never well, again. Your your positions have dwindled because I'm pretty sure you're a president and that's it. I, I don't even know any other positions on UCRSA. <laughs> I swear the council is three people. <laughs> that's so crazy. But yeah, probably probably UCRSA. They have so much like I'll be the building is kind of sketch. But they have fun. Yeah, that alone, I can't. I can't believe you chose UCRC. You have to live in the building, you know. That's that's <laughs> what I was gonna say. Was I I lived I lived in UCSRA for uh, for like a week my second year because of my room flooded, and it was like I like you could hear rats in the walls or something. Man, there was like the building is alive with creatures. You were you rather that, go and I, in the flooded room <laughs> than go back there exactly. Yeah. So, but anyways, to each their own. I mean, <laughs> I am judging. <laughs> and one more. So I guess I guess this is the uh, the question of a of a girl. This one goes out to both Red of you. To, All right. Yeah. <laughs> this one goes out to both of you to ponder. Okay. And I thought about this for a while. I couldn't. I couldn't think of of a red flag. That wasn't so gross that you just wouldn't be there in the first place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I did, I did come up with one eventually. Okay. So meet a girl. Perfect in every way. She's the, she's like the pinnacle of, of, of yourself, the female version of, mm-hmm. of someone you'd want to spend the rest of your life with. Love at first sight. All right. So she brings you back. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Selena Gomez for you. You bring her back, or no, she brings you back to her house and it is just full of taxidermy. Like she's really into taxidermy. She like she brings you home. She goes, one minute, let me finish up on this this rat roadkill. Well, wait, I got I gotta applaud you. That's actually such a good one. Um I want your Tino's response first. <laughs> Okay, wait. So just to confirm, taxidermy is the one where you stuff dead bodies, right? Yeah, animals. And and th- th- these aren't even cool animals, by the way. She's like she's doing like like dead geese and that she finds on the side of the road, right? She's doing like she's doing like raccoons, you know. <laughs> she's not even doing like something cool. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. I I don't know if the, if it's the pinnacle and she's that great. <laughs> she is though every other way but her house is just full of dead old raccoons she sleeps with a stuffed animal but <laughs> i'm gonna go that's fine i don't know really right. probably kinky too like let's be honest <laughs> yeah in the wrong way tino <laughs> oh, uh i'm a like usually when I, me and Tino will disagree in the sense that I'm more liberal. I'm more like, oh, that's fine. This this is the first time I think I'm going against <laughs> saying red flag. I mean, I just know anytime I sleep over, I'm going to like, anytime I wake up, there's going to just be these taxidermist dermy animals just all around me. And I, I think I'll just get freaked out. And I'm just, every morning I'd be waking up questioning the relationship. I mean, yeah, out out and about, no problem. But Anytime I'd go to her house, uh, I'd have to deal with that. So r- big red flag. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get. I wouldn't straight up leave. I mean, I would stick around, see how, see if I could like learn to love it. But right after that, <laughs> that's 
Yes. Where you? Where do you stand, Frazier? I don't know. I mean, I, I thought of the question, but it really comes down to how into it she is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, if she has like, if she has like a room in her basement where she sort sort of does her thing on on weekends or whatever. You know, maybe maybe it smells really bad. I don't know. There's right, raccoon guts that. in her freezer or something. I'll, but I'll if, if every room of her house is like a is like a you know like a a barn exploded and there's just <sighs> animals everywhere then 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 i'd probably have to advise against it i mean can you imagine like bringing your family to her place and trying to trying to explain <laughs> I mean, that i could feel like there's something every birthday present christmas present is <laughs> another taxidermy animal like i'll take it one step further for tino let's see if we can make him shift to red flag tino this is what they do for a living and it's not a good living <laughs> they're always trying to get the taxidermy business going they're always in mm. debt and they come to you all the time, like Tino, baby, can I please just borrow some money? I gotta, I gotta stuff this raccoon. <laughs> okay, that's the red flag for me. That's the red flag. Like, if it gets to that point, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Ugh, and it's no, yeah. I, I Fraser put it best. I think depends on how much they're into it. <laughs> it's like you could always tell when something's too much. So like, yeah. I I would go as far to say, though, because they're pretty perfect, at no point, no matter how much they're into it and how bad it gets, I don't think it's ever a deal breaker. I always just, I could always just stay in a relationship still. I don't think uh, that's how I feel about it. Yeah. Even if she wakes you up at two in the morning to, because she, like, she has like a craving to stuff a, a, a mole rat or something. Oh, I gotta go get this animal and stuff it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, I'd, I'd just be sitting there like, what the hell is wrong with me? But, you know, at the end of the day, if they're perfect love at first sight, I, I think I think my brain would tell me to stick it out. It's, it'd be worth it. It is Selena Gomez at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, Stuff Selena Gomez without the money because she's a taxidermist that's not making anything. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much for joining us, Frazier. We really no, appreciate no. it. Th- thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Thanks for the insight on how residence is and what RSAC is like. Uh, For you, the listener, we'll be right back after the break. See ya. No, you threw off my groove. And we're back. Thanks so much, Frazier, for coming on the podcast. That was really fun. Tina, what'd you think of that red flag? I think that was a really good one, better than anything I could have come up with. Oh, man, that one actually had me thinking so much, and (laughs) I'm actually still thinking about it. Um, but yeah, no, it was really nice to have Fraser on and interesting to hear about what residence looks like this year. And I guess residence wasn't immune, like many things, to um, the COVID, as we like to call it. The COVID, the corona. The, corona. Yeah, we'll have to catch up with them more once all this is done. But even this Would You Rather for me has got me thinking, I think, so like while the Georgia Bulldogs are my favorite football team, like because the Bombers, like I can actually watch them in person. If he asked about the bombers, yeah, I wouldn't eat cottage cheese for six months, but I think I could go a week. I could, I think I would eat cottage cheese for a week just so I could watch the bombers play, you know, and not have them go away. So that's where I probably stand on that. Um, you know, I got a question for you though. How do you catch a frog? How do you watch a frog? Catch one. How do you catch a catch one? Um, with your hands. Oh, you're close, yeah. You grip it. Oh no. Okay, you gotta rate that. What do you think? 
Oh no, I got ugh, got a rated two. Um, that you guys start rating them last. <laughs> okay, that's true. That's true. Okay, on a dad joke scale, um, you grip it. Um, it was good. That was good. Don't even lie. Okay, well, you know what? Definitely on the positive side of five. Um, I'll take I'm it. Give it. I'll, I'll I'll give it a seven. No, I'll give it six point eight. Six point eight. Go tell Alicia what she thinks. I bet she'll love it. <laughs> I will. So last week's song of the week was Can't Get Enough of Your Love by Barry White. This week it's another Barry. We got Barry Manilow. Uh oh. me and my homie love Barry Manilow, even though he's hella cheesy 70s music star. But his song Ready to Take a Chance Again. I don't know. I'm just in I'm in love with it. And he also has really good ones with Mandy and Can't Smile Without You and Copacabana. So yeah, oh. that's the song of the week. Nice. Um, the chance again by Barry Manilow. Yeah, you'll hear it uh, after we're done, which is right now. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week. Don't forget to spread good vibes. Good vibes only. Peace. Bye.